Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Curzon Film Podcast. This week we are discussing The Wife, a drama starring Glenn Close and Jonathan Price, directed by Bjorn Runger, whom we'll be hearing from later in the show. I'm Sam Howlett and joining me this week, a woman who, oh, she nearly missed her train on the way here today. Uh, she got there in the end though. It was a close one, a Glenn Close one. It's Kelly Powell. Oh God. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Oh, I love it. <laughs> and also joining us today, oh, a man who drives a hard bargain. Hard bargain to get him on the show, but luckily for us, the price was right. The Jonathan Price. It's Stephen Ryder. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Stretching it today, man. Uh, yeah. Wow. I was going to save those jokes well, for later in the show. No, no. But then I thought, nah, get them out of the way in the uh, yeah. intro. You must oh, yeah, have been yeah. really eager. Yeah. <laughs> gems like that. <laughs> I've been th- I actually had the, I had the Glenn Close one since I saw the film. <laughs> since before I saw the film. Well, you know, they call her in the industry, they call her Glenn Close Up because oh, yeah. she's so good at, you know, uh, being filmed in a close up because of that amazing face. Oh, yeah. So, you know, you're not the only one with the, with the puns, Sam. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so before we hear from Bjorn Runger, let's talk a bit about the film. So the wife sees Glenn Close as Joan Castleman and John Fryce as John Castleman. John Castleman has just been awarded the Nobel Prize for Literature. He's an extremely famous writer. And the film follows them and their son, played by Max Science, as they go to Stockholm for John to collect the Nobel Prize. But during their trip... Uh, some past secrets come to light and paint their their seemingly happily relationship uh, in a different light. Initial thoughts, guys. Uh, what were you expecting from the film, and what did you get from the film after you first saw it? Well, I I went into this with actually quite low expectations, I have to say, which is my fault. Um, but uh, I I we we were sent to watch it. Me and Kelly um, watched it together, and. 
in all honesty, the title of the film uh, doesn't quiet. It's very succinct. It's kind of uh, bland in a way until you see the film and you realize why it's called this. But I didn't go into it with uh, with with the highest of expectations. In all honesty, I was kind of blown away by it. Um, I think it's a really smart film. Um, it's got one of the tightest scripts that I can remember in a long time. And the kind of narrative proportion is just so um, smooth and um, well-rounded. And it's it manages to set out it's a very very clever structure of a film as well in that you um, immediately after the film is finished you do want to watch it again because these characters are so well written and have so many layers that you can't help but feel like you've missed something the first time around um, but in a good way uh, Mm -hmm. in the fact that you do want to revisit this story and kind of catch up on the things that you missed so Mm -hmm. I, I was very very impressed by it yeah similarly i didn't i hadn't heard of it and i didn't know much about it um but with a title like the wife you can sort of make assumptions about what it's going to be about and it kind of is about that but in a very very complex mm-hmm. and deep way um that i think the film delves into in like a masterful way in my opinion i think that it, I, I loved it even more the second time i watched it um and i think that um yeah i, I i'm glad that i had no expectations because it also kind of I remember walking out of the cinema and Stephen and I just looked at each other. We were like, I love that one. I love that one. I, <laughs> I love think that I might film. have turned yeah. to you and like, I, I thought that was like kind of amazing. Because <laughs> 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 it is one of those films that's not, it's it's not doing a, 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 a lot of stuff with kind of innovation or, uh, or no. kind of really blatant kind of... It's not trying to be clever for clever's sake. No. I, f- I feel like everything is in service to the story, mm-hmm. which is rare I think these days Uh, because everything has to have a gimmick and everything has to have you know something a sellable point but I think really and I mean this movie's uh, you know Glenn Close has been attached to the the project for like 20 years or something like that Uh, and and they've been trying to have this made uh, for that long and I think that you can feel it it's a a project that like they're all very invested in and I think that like you know the story, the way that, it, as you said, the way that it's written um, and adapted, because it's an it's an adaptation from a, from a book, mm. um, uh, feels really authentic and like th- th- that a lot of care has gone into the, this movie, uh, yeah. care and passion. And, and that makes sense. I didn't yeah. know that it, she'd been attached to the project yeah, for, for twenty ages, years. So yeah. That feels like a character that's been brewing in her mind. Yeah, for a yeah, long time, yeah. yeah, yeah. They managed to close a deal. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think um, it's the right time, though. I think it's. Uh, I'm glad that it came this late yeah. because I think she's like she needed to be this person now, this at this age to play this role yeah. in this way. I think, mm, mm. you know. Yeah, I think the the thing that I love about the film because I've seen people call it a um, a dark comedy, which I don't really, I don't it's get that. Like, I, I th- yeah. for me, this film is fully like it's a serious drama. It's got some some light moments, but it's a serious drama with very sincere honest serious things to say that aren't ironic and cheeky or anything like that it's very straightforward and really mm. genuine yeah yeah i think that's the, the incorrect label i think but i did ask uh bjorn about mm-hmm. that uh, because i found moments of that film hilarious mm-hmm. i was oh, yeah, crying definitely. with laughter yeah. for some of them um, but the very secondary characters i think yeah, yeah, like yeah. that's a sort of um just for sort of uh tone and pace I think it's, it's important and he said that um, you, well you'll listen to it, the interview but he did say that um, it, it's about life you know and life is full of uh, mm. ups and downs mm. well let's hear from the man himself then this is Kelly speaking to uh, the director of the wife Bjorn Runga welcome thank you Bjorn Runga 
Did I say that correctly? Perfect. Okay. Welcome to the Curzon Film Podcast. And we're here to talk about your latest film, The Wife. If I'm not mistaken, is it your first English-speaking film that yeah. you've made? Yeah, that's correct. Okay. okay. But I've been working in the film industry in Scandinavia since the 80s. So I'm not unexperienced. No, but of course, but your first English. Well, congratulations on a marvelous film. Thank I you. really, I thought it was phenomenal. Um, it's so layered and complex, and it's stayed with me since I've seen it. So it's always a mark of a really good film, in my opinion. Um, so I guess a good place to start would, would be with how the project you know, came to you or how you uh, found the project. I know that Glenn Close has been attached to the project for about five years, I think she said. Yes. Um, and so how did the material come to you and what, what about it jumped out? It uh, comes to me early 2014, four years ago, and uh, I got the chance to read the script. Not the book, the script adapted by Jane Anderson. And I fell in love with that script uh, after one reading. I, it was something I could understand the universe of what the script was describing. So for me, it was easy the next day to say to the producers that I want to be a part of this. And the following three, four weeks, I was in a conversation nearly on a daily basis with the three female producers uh, of the film. And uh, we were talking and talking and talking. And one day they said that we want you to direct this film, but now it's up to Glenn Close to say yes or no to you. So I flew over to New York to have a breakfast with Glenn Close in Greenwich Village. And I was having that breakfast with her and we were talking about the script and we were talking about theater and it was very easy to talk with her. It was like you know her in one way. and at one point we were also explaining for each other why we were emotional connected to the script. And after a while she went silent and she looked at me and then she said, I want you to direct this film. So that's how I was involved. That's incredible. Um, okay, so both Glenn Close and Jonathan Price uh, play their characters with such depth and complexity that it renders their, their characters really believable and very authentic. Um, so I wanted to ask you about your process, working with actors and developing the characters. Did you rehearse much beforehand? We rehearsed for one week uh, in, up in Glasgow, where we shot the film. And uh, there was also Jane Anderson involved, so we rewrite some scenes. And we also talked every character we talked about the characters and we talked about the storylines and what the scenes was about. And at the same time, we did uh, uh, makeup tests and screen tests and different clothes tests. So it was a very intensive week before the shooting. So we lay a ground, a level, you know, a ground floor for it there. Mm. But for me, it's so important then that the actors realize that me and my team are there to take care of their acting energy in the best way. Yes. Uh, so I try to create an atmosphere of trust on the set, that we are free to be free. And for me, it's all about collecting emotional material into the editing. Okay. And when they realized, they realized after a few days that we were there for to, we took really care about their acting energy mm. in a really good way. 
And when they understood this, they just opened the doors and uh, something magical happens between them. Yes. And the best was that the camera was there also. Amazing. Yeah. Great. It's a testament to the performances, as well as your directing, that uh, I could feel as the story unfolded, the power dynamics were always shifting and fluid between the two characters. Um, you know, as the story elements, you know, pieces of the puzzle get laid out without ruining anything, um, that by the end of the film, these two people are not the people that you thought they were at the beginning. Um, and, you know, both um, Joe and Joan are, are complex characters in the sense that then both, neither are perfect, and they've both made sacrifices and compromises in one way or another. Um, and I wanted to know from you how you towed the line between those two characters throughout the film without taking one side or another. Uh, first we have the script, you know, and then we do the shootings, but the whole balance act mm -hmm. is made in the editing. Mm -hmm. Because there is very much, should that line was being there or should they do that scene or should we put that scene in front of the other scene? So it's so much to build up attention mm. through the editing. And so the audience don't know what's happening, but they can emotionally feel what's happening and follow what's happening, but they can't predict what will happen later on. Definitely. So it's, yeah, it's a very delicate balance there. Yeah. But it's all in the editing. All in the editing. Yeah. So we shoot, you know, we shot the film for 32 days. And then we edit it for five, six months. Wow. Yeah. Okay. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, okay. So just quickly, I, I, I heard that you liked that you shot this movie with two cameras uh, on set, and I wanted to ask you, um, you know, is it something that you often do, and how how is your process working with the two cameras? I had a I have a wonderful uh, uh, cinematographer, Ulf Brantos. He's also from Sweden. Uh, we worked together for a long time. And this time we said that let's try with two cameras. Because with two cameras, if you don't have a leading camera, but you make both cameras to leading cameras, then the actors will always know that they are in a frame and they act in another way. Then we also can cover up longer scenes, longer scenarios. So we could be in one room with one camera and when they went into the another room, we had another camera there. So we make long takes yeah. and we took it from the top to the bottom and we, that made also the actors f that were feeling that, like they were on a stage. Yeah. So Glenn told me yesterday, Glenn Close, that the final scene that is so intensive yes. She didn't know where the cameras was, and we had two cameras in that room. And she, she said, it felt like it was just me and Jonathan there, but wow. it was a big team, and it was two cameras, and it was the light was shifting and everything. Mm. But she didn't know. And for me, that's a very good uh, note from her to us. Yes. Because I want them to be free to be free, you know? Exactly. And the two cameras helped us. Yeah. So they could never realize which camera is the leading camera because the two cameras was everywhere, yeah. actually. And we took the takes. One take, we could, one uh, 
Do you say take? Take, yeah. Yeah. One take we could do ten times, you know. Okay. And then we shift the cameras all over the oh, place. Oh, wow. Well, you mm -hmm. could really feel it. You felt very, it felt as though we were really a fly on the wall in this, this dynamic space where they were having this argument, well, this climactic argument at the end, you yeah, know. Yeah. And you can feel that, the, that they were living those experiences and it draws you in in such a huge way. That's just mine. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so um, I know that you've worked with many great directors, including Roy Anderson, um, and I wanted to know uh, who, who's influenced you and your work the most over the years? Uh, Roy uh, Anderson, he, he was a very great person in my life in the 80s and 90s, uh, but I wasn't so influenced by his way to film. I could be influenced by his way to observe people. Yeah. But for me, if you do a combination of Jane Champion, mm -hmm. John Cassavetes, yes. and Ingmar Bergman, oh, wow. I think you have something that haven't done a great impress on me yes. as a director. But I hopefully have a voice that's uh, not you can't really feel the inspirations mm -hmm. because I feel that every film is about the form you build up is very much about the script and the word we are going to film. So in this case, I could be inspired by some of uh, some scenes in uh, Autumn Sonata by mm -hmm. Emma Bergman mm -hmm. and also some scenes in um, Love Stream by John Cassavetes. Okay, yeah. great. Um, so, there are many comedic moments in, in the film, um, and I wanted to ask why, why it's important for you to in include some of those in a film like as dramatic as this. I love when, uh, even if it's very dramatical, I think a fine life is comical in one way, even if it's very sad yeah. moments can be rule your existence, then the, the humor and the comical aspect is very important for me. Yeah, I love, I love those moments. Yeah. I love them, they're um, amazing. Yeah. Even just the release, you know, because there's so, so much tension in the film that, that that just the moment of relief, you like almost get to take a breath and then, you know, you can be plunged back into it. Um, okay, so speaking of editing, we, we mentioned how important editing is to you earlier, um, but I've heard that your editor, Lena, is also your wife and longtime collaborator. Yeah, we actually met in an editing room 31 years ago. Oh, wow. At the film school in Stockholm. Oh, wow, brilliant. Yeah. So uh, how, how important is, you know, your relationship with her and how does it factor into this particular story, you know, of uh, this husband and wife team? I would say on? that we are never married in the editing room. Okay. So uh, it's very much to be professional in, a, in the best way. way. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I think they were a little bit scared of that. The producers before to have a married couple in the editing room because oh, yeah. it can be very tough to come in between us, but it's not about that. Mm. She's a very good observer. Mm -hmm. and she's also a therapist. Uh, she has a, uh, uh, she's working as a therapist in Sweden. So okay. she's good at reading people's uh, psychological yes. behaviors. Yes. Yeah. So for me, it's just as with Ulf that I've worked with for so many years. Mm -hmm. It's a very, very good and effective triangle 
between the three of you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I'm very glad for that. That's amazing. So I'd like to explore the time in which the story is set in the 90s, um, you know, with particular uh, regards to the Nobel Prize in which, uh, you know, Joe is up for uh, receipts. Um, why, why do you think uh, it was set in the 90s and what, as opposed to perhaps the present day and, you know, how does that factor into the story? I think it's, it was easier because the film is set before the cell phone took over the world. Well, not only the cell phone, but the mini computer we have in our hands, uh, hours per day. So, so it's, and in the book written by Meg Wollitzer, yes, it's set in the middle of 90s, I think. So, when you get little distance in time, it's Mm. easy to tell you a fairy tale in one way, and then then it was also the flashback should go back before the women's uh, movements in the 60s, yes. is the late 50s and the early 60s. Mm. So in one way, I think, for me, it was a freedom to have that distance in time. So you were not up to date when it comes to the technique and the, mm. how easy it is to find information about other people on the net and so. Yes. So it was... Uh, not far away, but far away enough to give us a freedom when we talk about this family. And I yeah. always love when a script has a little bit distant. Uh, it can also be distant into the future. Yeah. Because the present time is so strange because what's present... When we shot this film, we didn't know anything about the Me Too movement. Yes, yes, And exactly. suddenly the Me Too movement was coming up and also reflecting into our film in a very strange yeah. way. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because, you know, obviously this, uh, you know, this role is an amazing role for Glenn Close. It's so, it, this woman is so well-rounded and complex and, you know, she has flaws um, and you explore that in such a, an amazing way in your film. Um, and obviously that is, you know, being picked up, your film and this role is being picked up in, ho- in the Hollywood industry, for example, as something to be lauded because, you know, there's, there, there's a severe lack of these kinds of roles for women. And I think it is also playing into this Me Too movement and people are, are, are starting to become, you know, aware, thank God, about, about <laughs> how we should be seen. Um, but I wanted to ask you if you thought about these kinds of things whilst you were making the film, you know, or reading this kind of part, if, if you foresaw in any kind of way this film being heralded as something uh, to... No, we didn't foresaw anything in one way because we shot it before the Me Too movement. Mm-hmm. And when it came, I think everyone was surprised because so much shadow it was in many, not only in the film industry, but in many different professions in, in the, uh, our societies. Yeah. So, and it, in Sweden it was really also an earthquake in one way because we said that we were the most equal country yeah. on the planet. Yeah. And suddenly industry after industry went out and talked about uh, all these things that have happened in yeah. the shadow mm-hmm. land. So, so in that way, I think the film is ca- have a strange timing to mm. come now, even if it's not about me too in one way, but it touches to it. It's yeah, yeah it's 
touches something. You think so too? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah definitely. It's it's In got that electricity that runs through it that yeah. you can feel. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think it's uh, great timing as yeah. well. Yeah. Uh, and as I said, you know, this film sort of s stays with you. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you know, when you go in and do the film, you just are dealing with human beings. So for me, it's so much about what happens between those human beings. Mm. And for me, it was also a triangle between the mother, father, and son. son yeah. Exactly. So yeah. the son was very important for yeah. me. Yeah, the, I actually, I have a question about that. Yeah. Um, so Max Irons plays uh, David Cas Castleman, yeah. um, who's a somewhat troubled son, um, and he's also an aspiring writer. Uh, so it adds a very, very interesting dynamic to, the, you know, the parental relationship, the relationship in their marriage, um, and also obviously with him. Um, so wh what is it about this father-son sort of parent relationship, this triangle that you were talking about that intrigued you? For me, it's the son is paying this price for the family secret. And he was a key for me. So when I read it, I understand that the sun is very important, and I think it's so beautiful, adapted by Jane Anderson, because in the novel, the sun is not following to the award ceremony, but okay. in the script, he's following. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because when you have a child that is suffering from something, you, it's something else, because it's within the family, within the group. Yeah, private. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think uh, he was, and I'm asked Jane to make him a little bit more aggressive also. So the father in one way was a little bit afraid for him because he is tracking the truth. Yeah. The son, he smells that something is rotten in the state of that Casterman house. Yes. So he's the Hamlet character in okay. this. Uh, <laughs> interesting. Yeah. That's interesting. And at the same time, when I read the script the first time, I was doing a stage production in Stockholm, mm -hmm. Death of a Salesman. Oh, okay. And you know, it's about a son, Biff Lohman, mm. that don't trust his father, Willie Lohman, yes. and the mother that tried to keep the family together, Linda Lohman. So the, it was the same triangle ah. there as it is in the, uh, the wife. Yes. And that was also very interesting for me. Yeah, yeah. those parallels. Yeah. Yeah. And I think uh, children is always. Uh, that's important. Oh, that's yeah. the big thing. They are not alone. They have their son with them. Exactly. Yes, exactly. And it shows you a different side to each of them, I think, as well. Yeah. You know, w w it's, it's their private family circle, but even within that, there's another element. You know, just them, the relationship between Joe and Joan mm. changes when David is in the picture as yeah. well. So there's a, it's multi-layered. Yeah. I thought that was fascinating. Um, yeah, and also, I, I mean, without spoiling anything, uh, I think it, 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 for me it spoke to something uh, about, you know, the sort of idea of um, masculinity and especially that the male artist, you know, and the passing down of those sort of ideas through the generations and it's very patriarchal and how, you know, you know David wants acknowledgement from his father and it doesn't really mean anything coming from his mother. No. Um, and the and the way that they play with that, the dynamic. Yeah. yeah. And when he finally coming with criticism on the, the little piece that the son has written, yeah. the father and the father is, he's, it's hard. 
sacred. He's yeah. hard to him there. Yeah. Because in ways the son has written something that is very close to his parents' life. Yes. And he's so he's so cruel in one way, I think, there. The and father. Yeah, fa the yeah, father. Joe, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Joe. yeah, and I think he sees very much of it, um, I mean, you know, because we, we see the flashbacks as well, and we see how he was sort of uh, criticized yeah. back in the day. Um, and, and her sort of empathy when she says to him in the car, you know, everybody wants to be acknowledged. Yeah, exactly. You know? uh, yeah. There is also a phenomenon in Sweden called the, the culture man. Okay. And it's about the, the genius, you know, yeah. often males, mm -hmm. that can go into a room and take all the air that is there and mm -hmm. talk and talk and talk and talk and never ask a question, you know. Yeah. And this is a little bit about that kind of man. I love Jonathan Price's performances in this film, but it's still about that type of masculinity, as yes. you said. Yes. And I think it's interesting that we are also dealing with that in this film. Yes, exactly, yeah. That those perceptions. Yeah. Um, we're running out of time, so let me ask you the one question at the end. Mm. Um, I'll just read it because it's a bit long. Sorry about that. Um, okay, so the story is one that challenges the concept of accepted truths and morality on many levels and explores societal norms and perceptions in depth between a husband and a wife artist and the public, parents and children, masculinity and femininity, as well as the role of a man and a woman in both the home and the workplace. Um, and it's a film that stays with you, as I said, and it's bound to spark a dialogue in audiences. So what, what would you like audiences to take away from the film? Hmm. For me, the truth is a key to healing, even if it's painful. You can't shoes, you must follow the road. So the truth is very important for a better life, mm -hmm. even if it's very painful. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think it's what the audience will get. I, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> um, and just finally, what's, what's next for you? What's, any projects in the, in the, in the um, works? I read a lot of scripts. Uh, and are developing some uh, own ideas, both uh, original ideas and reading a lot of books also. So I have a lot of things going on, but nothing is decided for the future. Okay. But I'm uh, looking forward to my next film. Great, me too, I'm too. <laughs> thank you so much for sitting down and talking with me. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, thank and you. congratulations once again on this film. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. All right, so when these kind of films come out, they are sort of sold and presented to us around a performance. And everyone is talking about Glenn Close in this film. And I do think sometimes, you know, it's like, um, you know, when Blue Jasmine came out, everyone was just talking about Kate Blanchett all the time. 
but I think, and I think she is amazing. I think there is a lot else going on in the film as well, though, that we do need to talk about. But let's start with Going Close because she is incredible. Yeah, and uh, just a, just a fantastic performance from beginning to end. She, uh, it, it's it's this is an actor who is so in control of her character. She, it, you know, the performance itself is very good. She's she's very good at kind of um, the emotional moment. She's good at kind of exploding. She's good at the quiet kind of anger that you see like seething inside her. But more than anything, you throughout the whole film, she, she gets lost in this role because she she knows this character inside out. She has she seems to have gone over and over and over in her head, scene by scene, how this character would react to certain situations, the emotions that she's going to be feeling. And it all feels like it comes from a very raw and honest place, like something that she, this is a subject that clearly she believes in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the that Glenn Close in this role is a really, I mean, if she's been attached for 20 years, that's, that makes sense, but it's a really smart casting move because she, Feels like a matriarch. Mm-hmm. She feels like the kind of head of a family, somebody that's keeping a family afloat. Um, and obviously, with the cer- certain aspects of the film that we'll talk about a bit later, that whole thing gets turned on its head, and you get to see Glenn Close kind of think, kind of act in a different way. That's kind of almost against type. Um, and I thought that was absolutely fantastic. Really smooth performance. Yeah, I mean, she's absolutely so. She sucks you into this film uh, in a very quiet. She's so quietly powerful, um, and I think that um, yeah, it's uh, again. I think you need to watch it again. <laughs> like after watching it the first time, you go back and you watch it the second time, and you see s- the subtleties that she, the way that she plays this this role is just genius. Mm-hmm. Uh, slight changes here and there the Mm. way that she like and the way that her character sort of comes out as things sort of uh, as um, things happen around her that brings out different triggers different thoughts and memories which come in the form of flashbacks Mm. Um, and you sort of can see two stories unfolding uh, before you I think you know when a performance is good that when the flashbacks happen in this film her presence or lack of presence is felt like almost immediately. Yeah. Like you know that it's good when you are watching the screen and you suddenly realize, oh, Glenn Close hasn't been on screen for five minutes. Like when's she going to be back? Mm. Yeah, and you yeah, want yeah. that character back um, and you want that actor back on screen because she's been the one that's kind of been holding you, holding your um, your attention for yeah. this entire film. Yeah. Um, and I think it's that kind of performance. Mm. It's it's like very similar to Blue Jasmine actually. And that's a really apt comparison in that you've got a very layered complicated character and yeah. yeah that Kate Blanchett mm. plays that you really can't take your eyes off super charismatic sure, yeah. but at the same time i think a lot of her performance um relies on Jonathan Price's uh partnership in yeah. her scenes because i think that he was also incredible in 100% it's like totally yeah incredible um and, and the way and, and, that yeah. they play off each other you know we're uh, not hearing much about his performance but i think no. kelly's right to bring it up cuz it, it starts it starts with that opening scene which is a really, really bold. So this opening scene yeah. is the, when he wakes up mm. in the middle of the night um, and then wants to have sex with her. Yeah. Right. And for a film about kind of uh, two people in their in their 70s, in their late 60s and early 70s, um, for to have such a... I, 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 call it, I was speaking to Kelly off mic earlier and I called it graphic. And it's not graphic, but it's intimate, you said. Yeah. You said it was intimate. And I think that's the right word to, to use. Yeah, yeah. Like it's it's so emotionally intimate that you feel uncomfortable watching it. <laughs> Not because it's two older people, but because it's just two 
fantastic actors who almost immediately make you feel as though they've been husband and wife for, yeah, yeah. Yes, exactly. for you know half a century yeah, they, and it's incredible yeah. and they're drawing the audience into their marital bed their whole that's what the whole story is sort of hinged on is like you being invested in their marriage and their yeah. uh, their relationship I hadn't thought about that actually but you, you'd think that with the opening scene being a kind of uh, a sex scene a uh, very intimate sex scene that it wouldn't get any more emotionally intimate than that but you'd be wrong because it does. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, yeah, that, yeah. it gets so much more kind of uncomfortable and emotionally uncomfortable the longer you spend with these oh, yeah. two characters. The tension just uh, builds from yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, and and because they do such a good job of convincing you they've been together for so long, you do feel it's almost voyeuristic at times that you feel as though you're watching something unfold that mm. you shouldn't be. Like this is a very very personal mm. kind of situation that they're going yeah. through, mm. and I think that's such a testament to how tense the film can get mm. at points. Mm. I wouldn't put um glenn close and jonathan price together and even before i saw this film like in my head that doesn't yeah. that doesn't fit mm. they're two actors two very very different actors they look completely different to each other they have different styles of acting mm. they just doesn't feel right in my head but then you're right this first scene is like and no, that's fine yeah it'll be fine yeah it makes complete sense yeah. um, well, um, what do you think of when you think of glenn close like what's the role that you really associate her with before this it's Cruella, right? Like yeah, for me, for me, it's, me it's Cruella. Yeah. My generation. I think Cruella does um, as well. You know, I think she's kind of a... For me, she's always been quite a difficult actress to pin down, mm -hmm. if, I, uh, if I'm going to be honest. I think she's just got such striking features. Um, and obviously, when she was younger, um, she was in uh, the Michael Douglas film. Face of um, Attraction. She's in Face of Attraction, yeah. And uh, I, that, that was, I think, apart from uh, 101 Dalmatians, that was my first kind of... Um, I think that's a... the role that she's most sort of famous for. Yeah, and that's that's um that's that was a huge film when it came out, like m major major film. Mm. Um, and her role in that <laughs> is really interesting compared to her role in this. Mm. I think. Into... Yeah. Well, oh, it's almost a U-turn, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I think she's expressed kind of slight regret. At I think that film yeah. has had a. I, I mean, I really like that film, um, but I love those kind of almost sort of. I love I love like trashy films that sort of sneak into like mainstream. So, uh, cinema like yeah yeah like yeah. b movies that people actually mistake like, for yeah, mainstream exactly, films exactly. um but i do think that film's had a kind of people are re-looking at that film and re-examining mm. the gender politics of that film um but i, th I think the film still works even if you do question it's complex it's a got it's very a complicated complex film because well, she is the, yeah. she's basically the crazy other woman mm -hmm. yeah um and she's wronged well in, yeah in a way I was listening to her uh, on uh, speak uh, to this interviewer and she yeah. was speaking specifically about this role and she was saying that like she the way that she read the the, the character she was like totally drawn to the script uh, mm. immediately but the way that she read it was that this person is um mental her mental health is um mm -hmm. is in decline mm -hmm. um and she's sick actually yeah. she's a she's like she in needs help fatal attraction. in fatal yeah. attraction she, she actually needs help she's crying out for help yeah and the thing that she she wasn't happy about in the beginning uh when it came out was the they'd rewrote the ending yes the yeah ending that's what she was yeah. adamantly against uh redoing the ending when she becomes a, a killer right? mm -hmm. she, yeah trying, yeah because yeah, she, she, she was, so, she was yeah. so um adamant that the, that the character was not a psychopath so yeah. that she was just mentally yeah. ill and she needed help and she was like I, it goes against the grain of the character yeah should have um, been a film that brought that kind of thing into the mainstream 
Well, but yeah, it, did, but it, it didn't too, become too that. Early. Yeah, yeah it was, uh, I know that people, men still come up to her and say like, oh, your performance in that made me like not want to cheat on my wife. And she was like, well, that's not why you shouldn't want to cheat me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, <laughs> oh, and it's, uh, it's part of the, the dialogue, isn't it? The bunny boiler. Mm. Yeah. yeah a, cra- become, a crazy yeah. woman is a bunny boiler. Yeah, mm. yeah, mm. yeah. So this, so the role in the wife seems like completely different to that. I mean, this is a, yeah. this is a film about a, com- a, a complicated woman still, well, but yeah. one that's like... I think it's coming at a time where it's, uh, I mean, Fatal Attraction came out and like not much had been spoken about. I think I think the role of women and the you know the, the too, all too easy to to name the the woman as crazy, um, and you know the 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 place of a woman in in society is sort of I mean, you know it developed mm-hmm. I think and uh, we've we've uh, come to. I think appreciates women in di- in different roles in the industry, um, and now I think that with this character, uh, it's a, almost a reflection on that kind of thing. Um, but but she's treat like the character is treated in a way that is. I mean, she's not a totally sympathetic character. There are moments. I mean, we spoke about this like when they have their uh, arguments, uh, just like any in any marriage, you sort of flip between. Oh, I agree with that point. I agree with that point on this side yeah, and that yeah. side. And she isn't like totally uh, 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 sympathetic no. um, at all times. Um, but she's complex, mm. you know, and I, they don't love, try and hold uh, hide that. I love that she has an ego. Exactly. I don't think that's something we see often enough in with women in cinema. That she has a huge ego, and she wants to be recognized for like how for who she is. Yeah. And um, I think that she kind of really fights against that a lot. And she pushes back against it, but ultimately she can't get over the fact that she's she needs to be recognised. And um, I think that that comes out in the the, the the amount of you feel the like repression on her shoulders mm. in this film mm. of that character. Mm. And what, you know, when everything kind of spills over, it's it's just so kind of intense. Yeah. All right, so we're going to talk about some like third act revelation stuff here now. So if you haven't seen the film and want to go in cold, um, then. Um, Thank you for listening. <laughs> Come back after you've seen the film. Come back after you've seen the film, yeah. Because because I think the stuff we're going to be talking about now is... it will. I, I would prefer not to yeah. know. But, I mean, it doesn't ruin the film. There's so no, many no, layers. No, no, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. There's so many layers it's to this It's not like film, a twist right? film around. No. Kind of, it, it's sort it, of a... So we've a revelation. This, yeah. And this is what me and Kel has really liked Okay, so from it. here on out, we're going to be talking about <laughs> what happens in the end, okay? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Go. So we, I, 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 remember I didn't think you'd be a ghost. This. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like, I love the fact that this doesn't have a twist in it. There isn't a sudden revelation. Mm. It's passed out in like tiny, smaller scenes. Yeah. Mm. And you slowly realize what, basically, it turns out that, um, that, that she has actually been the one that's been writing all these books for years and years and years. Um, and, and she's just won the Nobel Peace she, Prize. She's, that's, yeah. that's the bottom line, yeah. right? Yeah. She's the one that's won the Nobel Peace Prize, yeah. but because of this I kind of... I mean, not of, Peace Prize, sorry, Prize for sorry, Literature. Yeah, literature. <laughs> um, because she, um, when they were younger, the only way that she could get these novels published were under a man's name, um, which we get to see in flashbacks. Uh, obviously, um, it, you know, she's had to live this lie throughout her whole life. But you don't get to see... You know, him suddenly turn around and be like, oh, you were the one that wrote these books. Like, it's smaller, subtle things until you get to the point where you're like, well, she clearly wrote these books. And it's not explicitly said till, I think, quite late it's on the in the film. It's the scene there with Christian Slater. Yeah. So Christian Slater plays Nathaniel Bone. <laughs> First of all, <laughs> Christian Slater. 
plays a character <laughs> called Nathaniel Bone. <laughs> I want a spin-off just called Bone. You could do a spin-off, man. He's great. Bone. Nathaniel Bone. <laughs> just Bone. And you're like, he like, oh, the way he sort of creeps up from the back of the plane. Like, hey, oh, my God. That hey, was guys. Hey, yeah. That was so We funny. turned to each other. That's what could make this a dark comedy. We just yeah. turned to each other and laughed as soon as he came on screen. <laughs> and I had no idea why I found it so funny. I, found it, I, I saw it with Kelly after she'd already seen it. Yeah. And <laughs> was she giggling? When they're on the plane and the uh, hostess goes, oh, excuse me, there's someone called Nathaniel Bone wants to see you. Kelly sort of looked at me and like, just sort of gave me a look like, like basically like, get ready for this kind of thing. And I was like, what? And then it's Christian. So I was like, yeah! <laughs> the real, the real Oscar winning performance yeah. in this film, I think. Best like. actress, Christian Slater. <laughs> when you watch it the second time, you can see him in the background. <laughs> coming oh, up I wonder what he's like, like peering What's he doing? Seat. He's just looking like peering no, over like the seat. Asking, so the, asking the air hostess. Like, like over yet? <laughs> he really, really like buys into this role. But oh, but it, I love it. But oh, it, so is, it is through Christian Slater, obviously, that we slowly um, get yeah. told about. Uh, he, he's the it's his, the conversation that they have over dinner or drinks in the in the bar is the turning point of the film. And that's a really lovely scene. And mm. she's doing she's doing a different performance in that scene as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She doesn't play that character again. So the thing is, I, I, yes, I think right, what, what, what we really liked about it the first time we watched it was that we thought we knew what was happening at every moment, but then we were proved wrong. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. It's like, you think, oh, I get it. I get what's happening. They wrote it together. Or, mm-hmm. oh, I understand what's happening, that he wants to, you know, get the scoop and that like, she's going to she's gonna be the, the one to, like, actually her oppression has got the better of her and she's going to blow out and do this whole cover. And, and, ne- and not at one moment does any of that come true it, yeah. ki- it kind of is just it really sticks to the to the to the spine of the story which is this woman coming to terms with you know how she's lived her life and not only that but like not only as a wife but as a mother as a writer uh this uh you know as a partner um and same for him you know like i think that what we really liked about this was that it kind of plays with role reversals in a really interesting way mm-hmm. because and you start to realize that they both have made sacrifices um, throughout their lives, their marriage, their their careers. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, in, in, and I think that the, uh, the best flashback is the, is, at, is at the end when you you really see that she is writing the book, you know, and he is taking care of the children. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's a point to be made that, like, you know, he sacrificed as much as she did, mm-hmm. you know, uh, in different ways. And I think that those role reversals are very interesting yeah and 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 this idea of ego as well that i was talking about if you see things from the husband's perspective his his behavior throughout the film he can be quite Mm -hmm. lecherous he can kind of he hits a lot on younger women who like him because of his genius that doesn't actually exist which is Mm. it's really like layered interesting like odd character and um i think because he knows he's the only one in the world that knows that his wife has been writing these novels he has such a fragile ego and this is the reason why he goes after these younger women well that's the excuse that he the, uses the excuse well, that yeah. he uses too it's i mean it's, yeah. it is a reason though that's it is, you yeah, look at him and yeah. you think His masculinity you know, is, is yeah it's under attack yeah, yeah. The fact, but only but he's the only one that knows it yeah so he yeah. has to like lash out in these kind of awful ways that by, seemed generic yeah. to the norm to the to the outside world is like oh classic uh, genius yeah, writer yeah adulterous you know? oh, well, yeah let, let him off kind of thing like he's 
it's yeah. hard to it's hard to be a genius. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But there's something yeah. so kind of slimy yeah. about the idea that he's using his wife's genius to seduce these oh, women. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, it's, like, gross. it's gross. It's but gross, but it also makes sense because the ego thing. So it's this mm. super like his character is just as layered as hers, well, and the yeah. film doesn't doesn't ignore that. No, it doesn't. Yeah. And it and doesn't. that's what's so good that it manages to balance out these two primary characters yeah, exactly. without without falling you know on a judgment on either side of them. Mm. You get to see equally how both of these people feel. Yeah, uh, and in the same way that his affairs spurred her on to write, gave her material, basically, mm-hmm. and his behavior gave her material. And didn't right? he so use it like against this... her? He's like, yeah, he did, well, yeah. you wouldn't have uh, come up with any of these yeah, books exactly. for me yeah, being yeah, an exactly. arsehole. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. so it's almost like... Yeah. Yeah. For me being, whatever. This toxic, uh, <laughs> toxic symbiosis that they've created yeah. uh, for them for themselves. Yeah. No, it's it's. this is what I mean when I say it's such a tight, layered script. Mm. Just, yeah. just really, really smart mm. and clever. Mm. Um, and... Did, did sorry? Did Bjorn Runga write this as well? No, 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 no. It's, um, it was written by Jane Anderson. Trying, based to, on a novel trying to give by a man a woman. Meg uh, Wallitzer. Yeah. So written by book written by a woman and adapted by a woman. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that kind of kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Really? Because <laughs> yeah, women are better. <laughs> <laughs> no, it does. It does. Yes. Yeah. Um, correct Jane me if I'm Anderson wrong, but the there's no. They don't talk about. Yeah, they they don't talk about in private the fact that she's the writer until Dang. she confronts him about it. Yeah. So it's as if the past 30 years, it's just kind of been, it's just sort of forgotten mm-hmm. that she, even even between them, mm-hmm. it's forgotten. It's unwritten, it's yeah. just, They never talk about it and maybe every now and then she'll think about it. But I mean, maybe he generally does think he's the writer. Wow. <laughs> he's well, just he kind believes of that he, he... Stockholmed himself. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Where's the film set? Oh, oh my god! <laughs> I, think, uh, I think they do, but they both believe that they need each other. They, yeah. That's a thing is that they kind of do. He genuinely know? believes uh, that it's not that bad. That she's not the sole writer. He thinks that it's a kind of weird collaboration between them. Well, that and he also and, allowed her to yeah. be the writer because he took care of the children and he rubbed her back. It's and also he... it's unsure what the what the divide is. Like, does she? Is it literally she's written the entire thing? And it's just his name because I've only seen it once. I'm not mm. sure. Or is it more like he'll write something and then she'll rewrite completely, like, do a rewrite of it, and then he'll go back and say, "Oh no, let's you, do that." And you never really, you know. never. It's not clear. Yeah, is well, it? I think apart that, from that one, I mean, at, at should we talk end, about that one flashback yeah, that is yeah. kind of like the most important flashback. Yeah, yeah it is. In, well, that's the thing is that all the way through, even as it's unfolding, that she yeah. had more and more to do with his writing. You never quite understand. I think, in my 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 view, till the end, that she actually had more to do with the books than he ever did. Mm. I think that he kind of was her sounding board mm. and sort of probably edited some of the stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but in that moment when, you know, he says, uh, you go on too long here and she like sort of justifies herself, you're like, oh, she's the brains behind yeah, the book. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, uh, I she's mean, the I, 100% novel. she's the brains. Yeah. I'm just not sure yeah. what the... Is it, is it literally <laughs> she's like, written yeah. everything and yeah. then he's been, yeah, great, thanks. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I think that all, what you're talking about there all comes to the head in what I think might be my favorite scene in the film which is his speech acceptance speech for the prize um when he speaks directly to her from the stage and and you know what like confesses that she's the writer in a roundabout way but everyone nobody really like understands what he's saying because it sounds like he's thanking his wife for always being there Mm -hmm. he sits there and says doesn't he say like you were the one that wrote these books you yeah, were the one yeah, that was there yeah, with me with the whole time sounds like you, metaphorical yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah and they think it's a metaphor but he's there and he's he's trying actually really hard to give her, her a moment but obviously it's not good enough it's a real she's, backhanded yeah, one yeah it's though, a backhanded it? one she's still she's still the one looking up at him on a stage he's yeah, still yeah. the one getting the oh, applause and she specifically asked him not to do that yes she does and he did it anyway and he did it anyway mm. but that, I think that's him that's him 
really trying hard to yeah. give her something when he knows that really he's he, he's unable to give her anything. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a really well from both actors, from her, from him, fifty feet away on the stage yeah. to her. Yeah, the yeah, you're right. The staging of that clever yeah. scene, like mm. the just the both of them staring at each other. Mm. Um, just that's well, so there's much a tension. moment. I think there's two moments. There's a moment when he gets the award where he doesn't have a speech. He just bows and he he does the whole bowing thing, yeah, bow the cere- times. ceremony, yeah. and then he bows to the audience and it's as if he's bowing to her and mm-hmm. then and then that close up happens and she's having this sort of she's going through the this 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 term this inner turmoil mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then um at the like after party or whatever they're having dinner and then that's the speech and <clears throat> her sort of fury mm. is so palpable mm. uh in that cuz cuz she she'd asked him specifically don't thank me in your speech and he kind it kind of was like from your pers- it's interesting to hear from your perspective mm-hmm. like he's trying to give her something yeah but I read it as though like that's the nail that like sealed. <laughs> well, it did. I think for me, there's like she she was explicit in mm. the way because it's also sorry I'm babbling now, but I'm I really love this film. There's <laughs> lots to talk about, but um, it's also an interesting. I mean, the 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 reason she's so complex is because yes, she does has this ego, and actually yes, it came to the, at the end that she 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 kind of did need and she says the line of herself in the movie like every every writer needs to be acknowledged or something to that mm-hmm. effect. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she says everybody needs everybody acknowledgement needs acknowledgement yeah. or or, or uh, yeah something like that. Yeah. Um, so you kind of are she's coming she's kind of coming to terms with the fact that she has this ego and that that she she wants to be recognized for for her own writing, but she also says that um, I mean I don't know how much of this is to do with the fact that she was deterred from being a female writer in the in the sixties or whenever she was studying writing because women weren't getting read or published. Um, and also to some extent, and I think this does come out in her character, that she said she didn't have the temperament, she didn't have the personality to be a famous writer because she's shy. Mm-hmm. Um, and she didn't want that kind of spotlight on her, um, uh, per se, you know, mm-hmm. being in the public eye all the time. So they're so multi-layered, these characters. Yeah. It's like, it is true to life because yeah, she... people go through the same things you know you don't know what you want you you, you want acknowledgement but you don't want to yeah. be in the, you don't want to be famous like how do you he's the one that around? spends the time at these parties yeah. schmoozing loving it and loving it but mm. you know she looks at it and thinks that looks like hard work i don't want to do that yeah so in a way she's kind of giving him that job to do whilst she can just get on with the writing mm-hmm. um you know it's it's fascinating stuff and that that 50 minutes <clears> of the movie from the speech um, to them going out in the car. Yeah, and when he throws the, the medal and, and, and then has to go get it. With that's really, that's oh, really God. funny, that bit. Which is a very, very funny <laughs> That's very scenes. funny. And so realistic. Yeah. Like, yeah, when, yeah, you're, when, you're, when you're, you're so angry... Oh, actually, I yeah. don't want that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when you're so angry that you throw... I mean, I can, I can, you know, relate when I when I get angry and I throw my Nobel Prize out of the window <laughs> of my car. <laughs> I've lost so many Nobel Prizes <laughs> yeah. because of my temper. Yeah, um, but no, 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 it's because it's so realistic and because in that moment that prize does seem like such a worthless thing. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> compared to their marriage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, but then she turns around and says, "Like, what are you doing?" Because that's still her prize. <laughs> yeah, 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 it yeah. Out the window. It's still hers. <laughs> you don't make that decision. You get to make that decision yeah, whether you exactly. throw the Nobel prize for literature out of the window of your limo you don't get to do that um yeah and what do you think about how the film kind of how the film rounds up how it finishes everything with him dying and his legacy remaining and she kind of makes a promise to well she tells she tells the son that she's going to tell him everything and the whole and the they've got a daughter as well who's just had a child Mm -hmm. um 
And that seems really nice, actually, when they have the argument and then they find out their grandparents yeah. and then yeah. they kind of... It's just they another, another, another example yeah. of their, like... How they keep yeah. bouncing yeah. back. Yeah, to each other, yeah. yeah. But <laughs> she makes the decision to kind of let let it stay... Let it bury with him, essentially. Mm, that... But then she opens her notebook to a fresh new page. <laughs> 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 I mean, I... Uh, I assumed she was going to tell the world. You think? Yeah, I also I did. Think so. she, but Second she watching. says to Christian Slater, like, if you slander his name in any way and tell him anything I've told you, I'll yeah. take you to court. Yeah, because she does wants she, to be the one to tell the this story. Is, uh, this yeah. is what's, it, this is think, what's so, so interesting. You, you, yeah. I, I, didn't re- I read it as yeah. she's letting it go. She's letting it be John Castle and the great writer dies and this is the end or, of... Or is she... Does like, she just not want another man's name on her story? Yeah, mm. there you go. Like, that's that's the thing. Yeah. We don't know, We you know, but um, I... That character and what she's been through and the fact that she's about to tell her son... I think she's going to tell people. I think so, too. And, I mean, okay, the, the, the end shot was a little bit... What was the end shot? Like, her looking up and, like... Hopeful. Hopeful. You no, like that, I huh? really didn't like that. I think that, like, that's the one disappointing I think it should have ended on Christian Slater. Like, <laughs> <laughs> hey, can I order some uh, peanuts, please? <laughs> thanks, thanks, miss. <laughs> that was <laughs> it, good. Thank you. And then yeah. it ends. He's yeah, just like... It finishes, yeah. he, No, he's not even happy. He's just like, oh, well. Yeah. And then we're ready for the Bone sequel. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, bone. Yeah. <laughs> Bag of bones. <laughs> what else? What are the Bone sequels? Uh, oh, them God. bones, them bones. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't even spoken about the son. No, <laughs> no. That's an interesting. Yeah, it's an interesting character. Yeah. He's kind of a yeah. pathetic character, isn't he? But he's just kind of like yeah. desperate for his father's appraisal, and that. But all the time, he actually should have just got his mum's appraisal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But me yeah. and Kels said, um, "Do would he? Is it is this a gendered thing where if he knew his mum would have written these books, would, would he, he care been, as much? Would he still been seeking his father's approval? Yeah. Um, because yeah. you know, in a in a way, that's what all kind of men do is they seek their father's approval, no matter how mm. you know uh, impressive or you know intelligent their, their mother is. Mm. Um, and I think he <laughs> is going to be quite screwed up when all this. He's looking pretty screwed yeah. up already. Yeah, I mean, he is. Yeah, yeah, he is, yeah, yeah. He is. He's not, not a happy boy. Yeah. No. Not a happy boy no. at all. All right, do you have any final thoughts um, on the wife then before we wrap? Well, what does everyone think about Oscar season? Do you think it's yeah, gonna, let's think oh. it's going to have. Do you think it's going to have those legs to kind of. I think it will. I think mm. it will. I think um, it's doing really well at the limited box office in America. Mm. I think loads of people are seeing I think loads of people are talking about her. Like I said at the beginning, the main talking point from the film for everyone that's seen it is how good she is. Mm. Um, the Academy love to give a kind of veteran mm. actor and actress, not only a nomination, but I, th- I think she, I think she'll definitely be, I'd yeah. say she will be nominated. Yeah. She'll, she'll be nominated. Whether she'll win, I don't know. I don't know who else. I mean, we'll people, just have to see a, what, what happens. The, I mean, the, the favorite, I think. Viola for Widows as well. Viola for oh, Widows, yeah. the, the trio from the favorite yeah. are looking mm. quite strong. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I don't know, interesting, yeah, but I think she'll definitely be nominated. Oh yeah, I She's been nominated six times before. It's yeah, odd, nice. this is the kind of film that usually I'd be like, Oh, you know, typical kind of like it's just a drama. It's just a you know an Oscar film. I want to see like a kind of new kind a of weird in- innovative yeah, performance yeah. win, which I'd be looking at the favorite and thinking like Olivia Coleman. Well, I thought Hereditary might have legs, but I don't think that uh, will. I, mean, I mean, it's great performance, but at this point, I think it got released too early. Mm. But I'm looking at Glenn Close. I'm thinking like, is there going to be a better performance this year? <laughs> yeah. Well, really? you know, you know what it is at the moment, don't you? Mm. It's too close to call. <laughs> Anyway, the Oscars is quite a way away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll see. But Glenn, yeah. Glenn far away. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you've got any thoughts on The Wife or any other recent release, do let us know by emailing 
podcast at curzon.com for next week's show. Or you can reach out to us on Twitter at Curzon Cinemas. Uh, to coincide with the wife, then, on Cousin Home Cinema, we have a collection called Scenes from a Marriage. Uh, that includes films uh, such as Amor, 45 Years, and Force Majeure, all containing really interesting takes on uh, relationships in a marriage uh, that go really nicely with the wife. So do check those out. Uh, so that is goodbye from Stephen Ryder. Oh, goodbye. <laughs> You still with us? Yeah, I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, goodbye from Kelly Powell. Bye. And it's goodbye from me. Thank you for listening. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode, and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.,